0: This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen ronalds Keen, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hello and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today I'm talking about self-care for first-year teachers but I think we all know that most of this advice is going to apply no matter how many years you've been teaching but it is especially for those of you who are starting your career this month, this week. Uh, It is the beginning of the school year here in Australia so That's a very exciting time if it's your first year in the classroom, but it can also be a time of anxiety and stress and fatigue and overwhelm because there's a lot to do, a lot to learn. And so that's why today's episode is for you. I will be sharing some do's and don'ts uh, that I think are extremely important. And I'm also going to be sharing a list of suggestions from Way back when I used to run a Facebook group called Self Care for Teachers, which is how Self Care for Teachers came to be, actually, back in 2015. Um, And sometime in late 2016, I asked for the suggestions from the teachers in that Facebook group, what they would wish they had known in their first year of teaching. And so I'm also going to share their suggestions, which you can also find and read on the website teachers.com.au forward slash collective hyphen wisdom is the blog post. I'll pop a link down below if you want to read the list as well. Before I get to that though, uh, if you're listening to this the week that this airs, then you have just a couple of days left to sign up and join the next round of the Resilient Teacher Group Coaching Program. And I really want to just take a moment to share why I think it's really important. Imagine if... This year, you didn't feel exhausted and depleted and resentful all the time. Imagine if your healthy habits and self-care practices and well-being rituals were a regular and established part of your weekly routine instead of something that only seemed to happen in the school holidays. Imagine if you didn't feel guilty for making decisions or taking action to nurture and nourish yourself and you found joy and accomplishment in teaching again because you had energy and enthusiasm as well at home and at work. And imagine if you had strong boundaries with yourself and others that allowed you to treat yourself like a person first and a teacher second, and you felt confident in your ability to follow through and stick to the wellbeing goals and healthy habits that you set for yourself, not just in the holidays, but throughout the term and throughout the school year. And imagine if you felt supported to unlearn and overcome the habits and beliefs that were keeping you depleted, things like wearing busy as a badge of honour, people-pleasing, martyrdom, waiting for the education system or your principal to change before you give yourself permission to look after your own needs. I know these are things that are really common. They may not apply to you, but I know they're very common for many teachers. And helping you overcome those is one of the things that we aim to achieve in the Resilient Teacher Group Coaching Program. And imagine also if you had a mentor and a coach who who truly understands the challenges of trying to do all of that and was there to support your well-being and resilience as a person with no hidden agenda about meeting workplace deadlines or ticking school improvement box surveys i e imagine if you were able to connect with me regularly face to face like virtually on zoom and actually have the support from a coach and a mentor who really understands the challenges of trying to be a resilient teacher in this modern education system And imagine if you had a group of like-minded peers who truly understood what you were going through and the changes you were trying to make and who were there to support and encourage you along the way. That is what the Resilient Teacher Group Coaching Program aims to achieve. It's a six-month group coaching program for teachers who are building their resilience and well-being in 2021. And we start this weekend. So, if you're listening to this the day or two that it goes live, the program begins with a welcome call on Saturday, the 30th of January. And then we will have fortnightly group calls, not necessarily on Saturday, throughout semester one of 2021. So, um, you can view the full call schedule on um, my website, selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash resilient teacher. I'll put a link below. And Really, the idea is to actually start shifting your habits in small, sustainable ways, but to also surround yourself with a group of people who are making similar changes and who will be able to reinforce for you when, you know, maybe if you're in a school where this busy as a badge of honor culture is really, really overwhelming, it can be really helpful and powerful and supportive to have a group of like-minded peers and colleagues who who are reinforcing for you the alternate narrative of that, which is that you don't have to be busy and exhausted to earn, to be a good teacher or to earn your self-care. So, if you happen to be listening to this after the 30th of January, but before, you know, mid-February, then get in touch. You may still be able to jump in, but otherwise there will be another round and you can pop your name on the waiting list. But if you would like to join us this round head to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash resilient teacher. I would love to be your guide on this journey. You will get six months of of group coaching, a one-on-one intro call with me, and there's a whole bunch of bonuses as well. So head to that uh, link. I'll pop it in the description below and we will make sure that you can approach the school year differently this year and treat yourself like a person first and a teacher second. So let's talk about self-care for first-year teachers. We all know that at the best of times, teaching is exciting and exhausting and scary and rewarding. And first-year teachers find it all of this and more. On my webinar on Monday night, there was a first-year teacher there saying she's coming into the profession knowing how, how challenging it can be and how much burnout is a risk. And she's determined from the start to make sure that she doesn't fall into those patterns and to you know, have a sustainable and healthy and long, long-lived career. So, uh, I really love that this is a conversation that is reaching early career teachers now. And, you know, I think little by little we are seeing changes. But regardless of how determined you may be, there are still so many new things to learn and there's a lot of work to do. And non-teaching friends and family don't really get it. They don't really understand the demands of the job. And so, you can still feel like, you're having to justify how much you're working or how challenging it is. You can feel like you're a bit of an imposter as well because it's, you know, it's, your training wheels are off, but you still feel a bit like, are they really letting me in the classroom by myself? And of course, the students that you work with can and will test you because you're new. And there's so many expectations to meet, a lot of new names to remember, and lots of paperwork. And it's really easy as a teacher to put your needs at the bottom of that list but it's even more of an issue in your first year because I think it's so common for first years to feel really eager to prove themselves. So, if that's you, you're not alone. And you know, with anywhere between 8 and 50% of early career teachers leaving the profession in Australia, it's really important to look after you. And that stat, by the way, it's a huge range like eight to fifty percent that's a huge range because we don't have good data on this and we don't have good data on whether people are leaving for a couple of years like maybe they're an early career teacher but then they go off on maternity leave and, and come back part-time or they haven't been able to find secure employment or they've gone to a different state or a different school system so that it's really hard to get good data in Australia we're starting to I think, hopefully try and focus on that. But at the moment, the data that's out there is not clear cut onto exactly how many early career teachers leave the profession in the first few years. But, I mean, anecdotally, we know that that is a thing. So here's a few do's and don'ts for first-year teachers for self-care in your first year and beyond. So number one, definitely do prioritise your sleep. I cannot stress this enough. It is so easy to stay up until the wee small hours every night trying to get your preparation perfect and finish all the marking and just get everything done. But without adequate sleep, you really are no good to anybody, especially yourself. And I was just listening to the audiobook of Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Fantastic book. I'm definitely going to be doing a book review on that and sharing a lot more about it. But they were sharing the stats that basically, you know, chronic sleep deprivation, like less than six hours sleep a night over two weeks or more is essentially like Brain wise, the same as being drunk. So, you definitely want to not be drunk, right? We wouldn't be drunk and driving, we wouldn't be drunk and going to work, but chronic sleep deprivation is something that can creep into our lives. So, it's definitely something to pay attention to and try and avoid it because the outcomes are the same. And, the, you know, it's obviously bad for your physiology as well. So, also with proper sleep, you are far more productive and efficient. Uh, and teaching is a marathon, not a sprint. So, good sleep is what will keep you carrying on for the whole term, the whole semester, the whole year. It's really important. Practice sleep hygiene and be quite disciplined about it. It does require some discipline. It's not. It's one of these kind of not necessarily very fun aspects of self-care, but making sleep a priority will make everything else easier because of it. And if you are having trouble sleeping, and this goes for anyone, whether in your first year or not. Please seek help sooner rather than later. Go and chat with your GP about it because it could also be caused by some underlying medical problem and you want to definitely look at that. And there are, there are things GPs can do to help. But um, first point of call on a personal self-care level is to practice good sleep hygiene, which includes things like, you know, no screens for at least an hour before bed relaxing, winding down before bed, making sure that you're not working in the bedroom so you don't take your laptop and do work in bed, that sort of thing. Because it is a marathon, not a sprint. So number one, definitely do prioritize sleep. Number two, don't talk about teaching with people who don't get it. (laughs) Unfortunately, there are still people out there who think it's nine to three and all these holidays and any teacher who is complaining is just a softy whiner. And if you're anything like me, you will be really tempted to engage in debate with those people and try to convince them that actually, no, you are working really hard. You're doing really long hours, you know, 50-hour weeks, and the holidays are spent working as well. But don't do that. (laughs) Just conserve your precious energy because you have such a limited amount of, you know, cognitive and physical energy, and you need to also protect your even more precious mindset and I have often found that engaging in these debates with people really, even if I feel okay in the in the conversation afterwards, it really plagues my mind. So just give them a token response and change the subject. Just don't even engage because they're not going to get it. That's obviously not the same thing as having a, a deep and meaningful conversation with a trusted person who, or even just an interested person who is genuinely curious and, and trying to understand. I'm talking about those like at the barbecue, somebody's, you know, making spurious comments about what teaching is really like and you want to argue, just don't. (laughs) You know, conserve your energy and protect your mindset and just give them a token response and change the subject. And I fully acknowledge this is easier said than done, but I do think it's important. So number two, don't talk about teaching with people who don't get it. (laughs) Number three, don't overschedule yourself. I would really recommend it, especially in your first year, err on the side of under-scheduling, so giving yourself lots and lots of, you know, buffer time or slack time in between and in your life because everything will take longer than you think. Everything will, you know, every school task, every work-related situation will take more time than you anticipate, partly because everything is likely to take you longer to do in your first year because you've probably not done it before, or you're not super experienced at it, so things will just take longer and you want to give yourself time and benefit to be prepared for that but also because there are going to be things in your first year especially that you you just won't have known were coming up this is especially true like you might know okay report cards are here and parent teacher interviews are here but there'll be likely other things that happen that crop up throughout the year in the calendar of the school year that you didn't realize were coming up and suddenly it's here, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah!" And your job is to do such and such by Tuesday. And it may not be a huge thing; it might only be a you know an extra meeting or a task that takes an hour. But you just you haven't been through the school year before, so you don't necessarily know that that that's a thing that happens at this time of the year. And so you want to make sure that you're kind of allowing for those unexpected things to happen. And of course, then there's unexpected things like accidents and incidents in the playground where you have to fill out the paperwork for that and behavior management extra paperwork that you have to do and that sort of thing that will just take extra time. So just be really discerning about what commitments and engagements you you say yes to both at school and at home and kind of err on the side of agreeing to less to give yourself more slack and buffer time so that when unexpected things crop up, You're not suddenly like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was coming. And I've already crammed my schedule absolutely full this week. And I just am, it's going to be really hard to fit that extra thing in. So, number three is don't over schedule yourself and just err on the side of underscheduling just to give yourself that, that little bit of a gift of flexibility there to build some slack time into your schedule. Number four, on that note, do make time for a social life. It's really important for your mental and emotional health. However, don't spend the whole time talking about school. Again, this is one of those things that requires a little bit of discipline. If you socialize with other teachers, which you probably will, and that's really good for you as well, make sure that you plan to do some things that will completely distract you from schoolwork. So, you know, don't just spend the whole time talking about shop. And, you know, also allow yourself to say no to social engagements that you know will leave you feeling really drained. Again, protecting your energy and your mindset. So, these are things like, you know, those events that you feel obligated to attend, the ones that you know will have to spend time with, you know, Uncle Bob who really distresses you because he's such a racist jerk or, or you know, whatever. could be anyone where well, you know that person's going to be there and that's going to really stress you out just having to be in the same room with them or make polite conversation with them. And you're going to go home feeling so exhausted and drained from the experience. And also, obviously, be very discerning about the social events that you agree to in like in those busy times of term like the week that report cards are due. So yes, do socialize, but make it enjoyable rather than, you know, a stressful item on your to-do list. So give yourself that permission to say no to the things that you just like, oh it's a bit of a feeling about going to that event. And that means that you'll save your time and energy for the the social events that are really gonna light you up and, you know, support and fuel your mental and emotional health. But again, yes, if you're socializing with teachers, just make sure that you all kind of have a little bit of discipline about maybe having a rule, no, 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 you know, it's a Saturday night, we're not allowed to talk about school or go and do something together that's going to take your mind off school so that you actually do allow yourselves to have a bit of a mental break. So, number four is do make time for a social life for sure, but be discerning about it. Number five, do incorporate some kind of daily relaxation practice. So, I'm going to do a lot more about this this year because I've know i sort of realized again from reading this book Burnout, a lot of it in there was not new to me because a lot of the information in there was covered in my meditation teacher training that I did in like six years ago now, five years ago now. And I've realized that I haven't, particularly in the last two years, I think the first couple of years I was quite good at sharing information about that, but I haven't shared a lot of information about that recently. And I think it's really quite empowering. So, when we are chronically stressed, we operate a lot of our day in fight or flight, which isn't good for us over the long term. And the and it's not good for us day to day, but we can get through if it's a short term stressor. But, you know, the reality of 21st century life and particularly teaching is this chronic long term stress. And the antidote is to activate our relaxation response and trigger our body to move into the rest and digest state it's a, it's a nervous system response so I really recommend doing this in the evenings before bed because it will help you sleep which obviously was point number one there's many ways to do this so heaps of types of um, meditation but that may not suit you you can do guided relaxation visualization EFT tapping is really good exercise is really good for um, moving your body into the relaxation response yoga, sex, the list goes on, right? There's lots and lots of ways that you can do this, but the trick is to find what works for you. And there are loads of videos on YouTube about triggering the relaxation response, doing meditation, guided visualizations, that sort of thing. So you can get started for free. I also do have a meditation CD that's, um, or it's not a CD, it's, you don't get an actual CD. Who has CDs anymore? It's a meditation series of uh, audio tracks <laughs> on on my website so I will link to that as well and also if you want more about this I do dive into this in the fatigue resilience workshop series which you can purchase on um, my website as well and there's four different master classes one is about exercise one's about nutrition one's about sleep and one is about stress and they're 2 hours each and I did them with Stuart my husband the exercise physiologist and we, that was part of the resilient teacher program last year and then everybody who's who enrolls this year We'll get access to those for free. But if you do want to hear more about the stress response and how we can respond and consciously elicit our relaxation response so that we can actually counter the effects of that chronic stress, then I would highly recommend that Fatigue Resilience Masterclass Series. I'll pop a link below. But again, if you sign up for the Resilient Teacher Coaching Program, it's a bonus that you get just included in the bundle. So that is number five. I think we're up to five. Incorporate some kind of daily relaxation practice into your life because it's very, very good for you. Number six is to remind yourself that this too shall pass. Whether it's a disaster of a lesson or a crappy day, a boring staff meeting, a stressful reporting period, just the hectic term, this full on first year, it will pass. And remember that applies to the good stuff too as well as the tough stuff. So, this too shall pass is a really great motto, I suppose. And it's it's to help you remember that enjoy the great moments as they come and go and that in the tough moments, and there will be tough moments, they won't last forever. Now is not forever. So, it's a really helpful one to just, you know, keep you going in the tough times. Okay, number seven, do plan snacks and lots of them because there will be days when you only get five minutes to eat here and there between class and playground duty and lunchtime lesson prep and helping students at lunchtime and after school meetings and you know phone calls to parents and all of that. There will be busy days. Your time between nine and three will be pretty jam packed, but lunch is not a luxury. Yes, you can get by without. Lunch once in a while, yes, occasionally there will be something that happens in the playground at lunchtime or some kind of incident that requires you to be just absolutely a hundred percent present to that and not able to stop and eat lunch. And you will be able to get through until three o'clock some days. And but that should be the the really most occasional situation. The rest of the time, you need to plan for the fact that you might you probably won't get a full forty five minutes to sit down and relax and eat your lunch in quiet peace. But you will probably have 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there that you can pause, grab something quick and healthy. So be proactive about it. Have an abundance of quick, healthy, filling snacks that you can just grab and go. That you can keep your motor running all day, right? This is about fueling your body and your brain to work properly and effectively. And it's not a luxury. And so be proactive about that. Do a little bit of meal prep, or you could even do what I know some teachers are starting to do because there's so much already on there to-do list, they actually order a meal service, you know, like one of those meal delivery services. They just order the lunch and then they just they don't have to think about it. They don't have to do any meal prep. It's just a packet that, you know, arrives, a little something interesting to eat and healthy to eat every day, and it just goes in the fridge and they take it with them to work in the morning and they can take it with them out on playground duty and eat as they go to be proactive about this because lunch is not a luxury. Say it with me now. Lunch is not a luxury. So that's number seven. Number eight is don't be an island. Communicate with your colleagues and speak up if you need help sooner rather than later. I know this is easier said than done because, you know, you'll be worried about being a burden and sometimes our pride makes us feel like reaching out is weak. But remember that most people are happy to help and it's much easier to plug a small leak than repair a sinking ship. So, if you've made a mistake, admit to it early. We're all human. Everybody makes mistakes. If you don't know something, ask. We've all been first years. We know there's a lot to learn. We get it. If you need to vent or you need help finding resources or you need backup with some behavior situation with the student or advice on how to discuss something with a parent, your colleagues are a wealth of knowledge and we are stronger together. Yes, everybody is busy, but Everybody will also know that feeling of being a first year and just needing some advice, some help, some suggestions. A rising tide lifts all boats and your colleagues will know that. So reach out, communicate, speak up. You won't regret it. You do not have to do this alone. You are not an island. By the way, that goes for everyone who's passed their first year as well. You are allowed to ask for help and you are allowed to seek support when you need it. And so, that is number eight, don't be an island, communicate and ask for help. Number nine on that note is monitor your expectations. It's going to be a busy year. You aren't going to be perfect. You are going to be able to get a lot done, but you probably won't be able to do everything the way your experienced colleagues do. So, don't compare yourself to them. And you probably are going to get sick at some stage because kids share their germs, <laughs> um, and also when you're in a, a high stress situation and you you know you push through till the school holidays, it's not uncommon to get sick at the end of term or you know the first few days of the school holidays. Obviously, with all the social distancing that everybody's doing and lots of hand washing, we hope that's going to be less than normal and nobody's going to work sick anymore, which is fantastic. But you know you're going to have good days and bad days with the students in your class with your colleagues with your ability to feel like you've got on top of things with your health and well-being you're going to be exhausted sometimes it's going to be a bit of an emotional roller coaster that is all normal and so just monitor your expectations don't be comparing yourself to people who've been in the job for 10 years already and just absolutely have their classroom under control or anything like that just Try to monitor your expectations and don't play the comparison game. Don't be comparing yourself to the highlight reels you see on social media. It is an amazing, exhausting, scary, rewarding learning curve. And, you know, your journey is going to be different to everybody else's. So just don't compare yourself and monitor your expectations. And number 10 is that I do recommend finding a mentor, a coach, a professional advisor, or one of each. <laughs> and any other medical professionals that you need to help support you as well, but also do practice discernment in your choice. So just take note of how you feel after you speak with them. If you feel that when after you've had a conversation with them that you f- leave feeling worse than when you arrived, maybe find somebody else to debrief with and ask for advice. And that may be a trusted colleague who will be your mentor at school, or it might be seeking the help of a some kind of professional outside of school whether it's like me as a well-being coach or maybe you need to go and chat to your GP about going and getting a physiotherapist to help you with your you know dodgy knee or your exercise physiologist to help you make sure that you're you know exercising or a counsellor if you need that like definitely make sure that you're getting the support that you need again it goes back to that asking for help one and I just, I suppose I want to give permission to anybody, but especially first years who might be assigned a mentor at school. So you might be given like a a colleague who's your buddy to really help you or mentor you throughout the year. You may not be, not every school does this very well, but you may not find that that person is the best person to share everything with. Maybe they're really the, the person that you definitely can ask about, oh yes, this classroom thing happened or that student, how should I respond to them? Maybe they're great with that kind of thing, but maybe you know like i said if you leave feeling worse than when you arrived after kind of debriefing with them or asking for advice then i just want to give you permission that you're allowed to obviously maybe don't tell them if you, if you don't feel it's safe to say hey you're making me feel worse but you're allowed to go and find somebody else to talk to as well that's totally okay and i think it was tina's episode a few months back in the feed i think it was tina's episode where she talked about being a first year and And not realizing that there was some kind of bullying going on with with somebody at her school with her in in the first year position. And she didn't know that that wasn't normal or she didn't know that she was allowed to go and seek extra help. So I just want to give you permission and to check in with yourself, practice discernment in who you're talking to. And I mean, that goes with external supporters and providers as well. You know, like if, if you feel crap about yourself after going to the GP and admitting that you need help with something, then get a new GP, right? Like you are allowed to do that. You're allowed to get a second opinion. You are allowed to find somebody that you feel safe with, that you can talk to that will support you and maybe challenge you if there's some areas where they can see that there's some patterns or habits that might need to be addressed, but also that you feel psychologically safe with and who is going to encourage and support you as well. So if you want my help with that, happy to chat to you about that. You can book a discovery call, Come and join the Resilient Teacher Group coaching program. But also, if you want some one on one coaching, we can look at that as well. And really just remember you're allowed to find somebody who you feel safe with. So, that is my, I suppose, final piece of advice there. And now we move on to the collective wisdom from the teachers that I asked in that Facebook group all those years ago who have shared what they wish they'd known in their first year. And you might also remember, uh, if you want to go back to season six, episode one of the podcast, there was also an episode called six educators share wellbeing wisdom, a note to first year teachers. And there was some six voicemails from, beautiful teachers who shared what they'd wished they had known and shared it in a voicemail. But this is just some dot points and for the most part, it's word for word what they had written in that Facebook group. Occasionally, I've paraphrased and there's a few themes that come through as well. So, they said, number one, get to know as many of the non-teaching staff as possible at your school, the office staff, student services, facilities team, etc. They are invaluable. 100% definitely do that. Number two, don't feel like you are expected to do everything perfect the first time. It's okay to make mistakes. If you realize you've made a mistake, take steps to make it right. Everyone screws up from time to time, even those of us who have many years of experience. Ain't that the truth? Number three, make sure your internet image is clean. This is actually something that I think we don't talk about enough, especially on the teacher gram. Google yourself to see what comes up, set everything to private, make sure you're looking after your reputation and your internet image. That's really good advice for all of us at any stage of career. Number four, always be polite to your administrative staff, teacher aides, cleaning service, etc. They're people too. And being polite is not only, you know, just the right thing to do. It's also just going to make being at school a much easier, you know, more enjoyable place for everybody. Uh, number five, don't judge yourself against other teachers. So there's some repetition coming in here, but that's okay. Your room doesn't look like theirs. You don't have the resources they have, but they've been making and collecting all of that over many, many years. And I would say the same about whether you're comparing yourself to teachers in your school or to the teacher don't judge yourself or compare yourself against other teachers. Number six, do the best you can leave at a reasonable hour. And then try to do something for yourself on most days. For example, read a chapter of a book you like, do yoga, go to the gym, catch up with friends, whatever it is, something for yourself on most days. Number seven, make friends with as many teachers as possible so you can get the help when you need. You can share with each other resources, information, and shoulders to cry on. So true. Number eight, learn all the names of the parents of the students in your class, get to know them, it helps for lots of things. Obviously, that's a little bit more challenging if you're in high school and you've got 150 students, but definitely in primary school, I think that's achievable and definitely make the effort to do that sooner rather than later because it will help with things down the track. Number nine, keep your place organized and clutter-free. Stick to routines from day one to try and keep it this way. I really love the line from Gretchen Rubin, that outer order leads to inner calm. So, yes, this is one that I personally really, really struggle with. And anyone who has worked with me in a school will 100% back that up. I am not the neatest person, but I definitely know when I make the effort to do this, it does make a difference to everything. (laughs) Um, Number 10, ask as many questions as you need to, even if you think they're stupid questions. And actually, especially if you think they're stupid questions, and one of the things that I would recommend too is kind of the fact that you're a first year means you can get away with a lot of those questions that you might think are stupid questions, but they're not, but like milk that because everybody will know you're a first year and you're pretty much allowed to not know things. By the time you're in your third year, sometimes there are still things that you don't know, but you start to feel like, oh, I probably should know this by now. I can't ask. By the way, even however many years you've been teaching, you can still ask, (laughs) ask as many questions as you need to. But in your first year, you can really, really lean into that, I think. And number 11, the final piece of advice from this wonderful bunch of teachers is to breathe. Very, very important. Just breathe. So I think that's a fantastic list. And it's a really great reminder to new and not so new teachers. And it's interesting to me across both my list and the, the collective list, two main themes crop up really and that's connection slash community and then self-compassion and you know self-compassion and self-care. So, on the connection community front, it's really important that we all recognize that teaching is a team sport. There are many people that can help and support us along the way and our well-being is obviously individual but it's also impacted by the collective. So, and this includes teachers, of course, but also teacher aides, administration staff, cleaning staff, facilities, maintenance staff, student services, other support staff, school leaders, and even the parents of our students. Like that's all part of the team sport that is education. So building and strengthening our connections with these people is good for us because they can support us when we need help and vice versa. And it's also obviously good for the students because everyone is connected to the school in some way. So it's working to support them. And finally, it's good for our communities because strong connections with each other is what will help us create better future for ourselves and those around us. And looking after ourselves is good for the collective and, and looking after the collective is good for us individually as well. So there's that community connection theme that I think is a good one for us all to remember. And then there's the self-compassion and the self-care theme, which is really this idea of being gentle and forgiving with ourselves. And, you know, not comparing ourselves to others, you know, because it can be helpful if we are finding ourselves comparing ourselves, being judgmental of ourselves compared to somebody else, can be helpful to use the process to, instead of comparing, but make us feel inspired and encouraged that that's somewhere we can work towards, instead of looking at each other and deciding in the comparison that we're not enough, wherever we are in our career, in our life, we're not enough because they're doing something different flip it decide it's actually about okay that's something that i'm you know can be inspired by and can work towards make it as a goal also we want to be careful with that spiral of perfectionism and punishing ourselves for our mistakes because that doesn't help us improve at all so again we need to be gentle and forgiving of ourselves when we when we do make any mistakes because we will and when we are imperfect because we all are and especially as a first year acknowledging that you are a human And that you are still learning and that you aren't perfect and you're going to make mistakes and that that's okay. That's really important as a first year and at any stage in your career. And I think adopting this attitude, you know, it's actually what will help us improve, not beating ourselves up for not being enough, especially because it's not actually true. You are enough already and always, regardless of how and what somebody else is doing or having or being or expecting of you you are you and that is enough. And so it's so important to allow yourself to be you perfectly and imperfectly as you are. Treat yourself with gentleness and compassion this year and behave like a human instead of a robot. Remind yourself that you are a human instead of a robot. You do need fuel. You do need sleep. You know, these are not, it's not needy to have these basic human needs, but be kind to yourself because ultimately that's what's going to help you carry on and get through the day and the week and the term and the year in one piece. So I hope this list, I know there's a lot there, I will pop the links to the blog posts if you want to go and read about it and review it. I hope this list is encouraging for you and I just want to give you a big pat on the back for getting through uh, your university years and uh, in entering the profession and I wish you a wonderful, long, sustainable career. And for everybody, whether you're a first year or not, May 2021, be the year that you treat yourself like a person first and a teacher second. If you would like my help with it, you know where I am. I'm going to pop a link to the Resilient Teacher Program down below. We are enrolling right now, but you've only got a couple of days left to join in. And I'm going to leave you with a little clip of Wendy, who was on the podcast in July last year, July 2020. And who was part of the Resilient Teachers Program last year to hear what she had to say about it? Would love for you to share, maybe just briefly, what your favourite thing has been about the program, and what you would what you would tell others about it. Okay,
1: I think for me, the best thing uh, about it has been that it has really kept that awareness of self-care and well-being at the forefront of my mind. And I'm sort of talking on a daily basis, whereas previous, in previous years that definitely hasn't been the case. You know, you sort of get all carried away in the holidays. I'm going to do this and that and have these great habits and, you know, I'm going to eat the right things all the time and exercise for three hours every day. And then that's all unreal- unrealistic and falls in a hole. Whereas I've found that being part of the program and the workshops and, other things has just meant that it's become just more of a daily awareness, I guess. And you know, it's not the main part of my day that I'm thinking about that all the time, but it's just there like a reminder to me to, all right, that's enough work now. Or okay, you're going home and now you're gonna do something else. Or what are you doing for yourself as a person rather than just thinking of work all the time during the term? So I think out of everything, I think it's been immensely valuable for me. So it's, yeah, it's developed a, a habit, I think, a habit of mind over this six months, which feeling hopeful and positive that I'll be able to continue because it does take a while to form a habit, obviously.
0: Especially when there's, you know, a lot of, lots of change, lots of other influences, and, you know, a culture that really, really, I do think. It's countercultural to treat yourself like a person first and a teacher.
1: Oh, definitely. Yes, yeah. So in many situations at work, different things happen and it's, you sort of start to groan and then you're like, no, no, wait on. You don't actually have to take all that on or you don't actually have to take all that on board. Something I think my big catch cry is, you know, something else will happen. If it doesn't happen this way, something else will happen and we'll adjust. So. I think that feeling of being able to let myself be flexible has been something else that's come out of not just my previous sort of history and experience, but then this year so far with both being part of the program against a backdrop of very strange sort of world events. Very strange. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to use the word unprecedented there and I stopped myself. (laughs) Now we got to find a new word. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I can't. I just can't do it. Um, but yeah, I think really probably it was the ideal time to be involved.
0: Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, brought to you by Self Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.